Okay, open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 6. So tonight we're continuing our Getting to the Heart of the Matter series where we're diving into different topics each month and diving down into what's going on in our hearts. And we're talking about tonight, we're talking about fear and anxiety and worry. Fear, anxiety, worry, we're going to see these are kind of all addressing the same thing in our lives, which are our responses to an unpredictable world, at least from our perspective. And there are an amazing amount of things we can be afraid of and worry about, isn't there? This week I looked down, I pulled up a a website that had all the list of phobias that people struggle with, and it is a very long list. You've probably heard of some of the more common fears, like fear of public speaking, which I was uh, terrified about that as a kid through middle school and high school. Uh, Fear of storms has been on the rise. Fear of flying. Fear of heights. Fear of blood or getting shots. Oh, I hate blood. You know, my whole family is medical. Everybody's medical, not me. No blood. Don't do it. Don't like it. I can get shots now, but man, it is, I hate it, you know? And that was just a lot of the, those are the main ones, but there was a bunch of other ones I found on there. For example, there is bibliophobia. You guys know what that is? It's fear of books. So guys, put that in your back pocket. When it's homework time, just be like, mom, the bibliophobia is acting up. I just can't do it. Can't handle it. Oh, can't even look at that book right now. It's terrifying me, you know? Bibliophobia. There is Chirophobia, which is fear of clowns. I have that. I, yes, clowns terrify me. There is ephibophobia, ephibophobia, which is fear of teenagers, which you're probably not here if you have that. No, parents, don't be intimidated by them, okay? You don't have to be afraid anymore. Don't let them intimidate you. There is octophobia, which is fear of the figure eight, fear of an eight. There is Pteridophobia, fear of ferns. (laughs) Anybody have that? Like you see a fern and just start sweating, you know, you break out into a cold sweat. There is scopedophobia, which is a fear of being stared at. Does anybody have that? You do? (laughs) We're going to break it right now. And then we have Wiccaphobia, which is a fear of witches and witchcraft. I think I had that as a kid. I I remember as a kid having a dream. It's like I can still picture the dream in my mind. I was probably six years old, and the wicked witch was coming to get me, and she kidnapped me from my family and was flying around the house. And I remember, this happened in all my dreams. I remember in my dream, I was like, my family was all running into this room to get away from this witch. And I was like looking across the hall, getting ready to run to them. And I remember my, my dad going and just shutting the door. This is in my dream. I think I have a fear of rejection, you know? And then I remember flying around the house. I was so terrified and she got me and we were flying around the house. And I remember hoping the witch got my family because I was so upset with them. In my dream, I was like, get them. Yeah, let's get them, you know? They shut that door on me, so... I have some anger issues as well as a child. I I know I did. So all these fears, the world in its fallen, 
in its fallen state is the world is a scary place. That's just a fact. There is evil in this world. There are evil people with evil motives doing evil acts in this world. There are terrorists intent on destruction and fear. There are natural disasters and diseases we see. You know, last week we saw the tornado just come through East Nashville and the last I saw was 25 people had died. I don't know if that number went up since then, but it just kind of surprised them, came out of nowhere. It was unpredictable. The whole nation uh, with, the, with the coronavirus, the whole nation of Italy is on lockdown now, and we see them canceling things in the United States. And what's amazing is the fear that's coming out. Just an unpredictable world. It's a fallen world. There's all these things that we cannot control And it produces fear in us. Universities and schools are shutting down, which I know you would be all for unless you're homeschooled. And then it just rubs salt in the wounds that you still have to do school when everybody else gets out. On the top of all that, just all this unpredictable world, on the top of all that is just the daily worry that accompanies all we're called to do. We can be worried about school. We can be worried about our friendships. We can be worried about social interactions. You can be worried coming to Relay tonight. If, if, if you're going to know anyone, if anyone's going to talk to you, you may not even want anyone to talk to you. It, you may be afraid, afraid people won't talk to you, or you may be afraid that people will talk to you. You know, it's just this daily worries. We're worried about the future because we can't control the future. We don't know what's going to happen. Maybe you would even describe yourself as someone who's stressed out. Just the pressure of getting things done makes you stressed and worried. And everyone worries at some point. That's why I wanted to do it part of this series. It's a universal problem. We are surrounded with uncertainty in this life, and so we respond with fear and anxiety and worry. And I have a little um, diagram in the slides there, Sam. It's just a triangle that just when I was thinking about it, just, just to say these, these three words I think are all the same thing that we're experiencing, but maybe to different degrees, where fear would be that deep sense of dread, and anxiety is just that kind of nagging feeling that just something, you know, it's just always in your mind, it's coming, you're, you're anxious about it, and I think worry is just that daily experience we have, just what's next, what am I forgetting, what's going on? I think they're all describing something we experience that the Bible addresses, and, and there's no way... There's no possible way that we could tonight talk about and get rid of all the ways that we can be anxious. I mean, every single one of us may have different things in our life. There's so many things in this world to be worried about and fearful of. There's no way that we can talk through each one of them and address every possibility in this world of fear. And so what we're going to do is get to the heart of the matter. So we can discern what's going on in my heart. So no matter what I experience, no matter what uncertainty, no matter what trial, no matter what's on my plate or what's coming my way, I want to know what's going on in my heart. And that's what Jesus addresses in Matthew chapter 6. So you have your Bibles open to Matthew 6. Look down at verse 24. That's where we're going to start reading. And we're going to read down to the end of the chapter. This is Matthew Chapter 6, beginning in verse 24. It says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. 
And that's connected here at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, not about your body, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus in our text gives us two root causes of worry in our life. And I'm going to use worry so I don't have to say fear, anxiety, and worry every time. But we're talking about the same thing. So two root causes of worry in our life, getting to the heart of what's going on. Root cause number one is that God isn't first. God isn't first in our lives. That's the root cause of our anxiety. Are, are worrying, okay? The first thing you'll notice from our text is that Jesus commands us three times in this passage to not worry. In verse 25, he says, do not be anxious. Verse 31, do not be anxious. Verse 34, do not be anxious. Jesus is telling us that it's wrong, it's sinful, which is good to remember because sometimes we value, this is so odd, I think, but we value anxiety and being worried. I, I think there's something in our mind that makes us think, if, if, I'm, if I'm anxious, if I'm worried, then that makes me seem important. You know, if I'm really stressed out, that shows I have a lot going on in my life. I have two tests tomorrow, and I've got practice to go to, and I have this paper by the end of the week, and uh, I just can't handle it all. I'm so anxious, you know, and we think, that just shows how important I am, that I have so much. You know, we think there's value in it. But Jesus says to be anxious is sinful, and he commands us not to do it. And the good news about Jesus addressing worry and anxiety is that there are answers God has for the problem. There's hope. The world really doesn't have any answer for us other than Breathe deep and meditate and let things go. But God has a deeper answer for us in His Word. And you may be asking, well, well, what's wrong with worry? What's wrong with fear? You know, the world is a scary place. Things are out of control. Shouldn't that concern us? Shouldn't we be afraid? Well, look at verse 25. When Jesus commands us to not be anxious about our lives. And he uses that word, therefore, connecting it to verse 
24, where he's, he's connecting this command to not be anxious to what he said in verse 24, that we cannot serve two masters. And he's specifically talking about money, but he applies it to all these other areas of life in verse 25. He applies it to clothing and to food and our daily needs, basically the things of earth, the things that we're anxious about, the things that we get worried about. He's saying you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both these things and exalt these things and serve God. You'll love one and hate the other. You'll despise the other, you know, while you love one. You can't do that. So worry, he's saying, is a check engine light in our soul that tells us that something has grown bigger in our eyes than God has. So worry can really be a gift if we, if we check our hearts and we say, man, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm fearful, something's going on right now. The check engine light is on like it's on in my car. I need to figure out what's going on. And Jesus says at the root of it is somehow God has become smaller and whatever we're worried about has become bigger in our eyes. Have you guys, how many of you, probably most of you have, how many of you guys have used binoculars in your life? You've looked through binoculars. Most of you guys have. I own a pair of binoculars. So when you look through binoculars, it takes something that's at a great distance, something that's pretty small, and it magnifies it and makes it big in your eyes. We take them, if we go to like a UT football game, we'll, we'll, we'll use the binoculars. And I like watching the head coach to see when he gets furious at something, you know. But if you watch the game through the binoculars, you can see one little part of the field. So you can watch the quarterback or you can watch the offensive line, but you can't, through the binoculars, see what the receivers are doing as they're running down the sideline. So whenever I've used binoculars, I, I lose the ball. I lose track of what's going on. You have to take them down to see all that's going on. What worry does is worrying takes binoculars and it focuses it on one thing in our life one aspect of our life. And it makes that thing so big in our eyes where it's all we see. And Jesus is saying, you know, when, when we seek the kingdom of God, then what happens is it's like that thing all of a sudden goes back to the size it should be. And we get to see all that's going on around us. You know, we, we begin to see all of what God's doing all around us. Instead of focusing on this one thing we are so worried about. And Jesus when we do that, when we focus on that one thing and it becomes so big in our eyes, Jesus calls that idolatry. He says you can't serve two masters. Two masters. What you're doing is, is you're making an idol out of that thing in your life. Worry, when we, that check engine light comes on, worry expresses that you are seeking or trusting in a different master. So many of our worries involve earthly things like school or money or food, your health, your care, friendships. These things are not bad things. They, can, they just can control our hearts and our desires when we become anxious about them. They've grown too large in our eyes. And I think the issue is it's really about control. We want to control these things, and there's things out of our control. And when we want to control them, we worry about them, and we get anxious about them. That's why, that's why the future, when we think about the future, it makes us anxious, because it's unpredictable. We don't know what's going to happen. We can't control it. That's why Jesus, in our text, tells us not to worry about tomorrow, just focus on today. 
It's also why in verse 27 of our text, why Jesus says, being anxious can't add a single hour to your span of life. It doesn't add anything. There's nothing you can do about it tomorrow. It's out of your control, but we want to control these things. This is what Stanley Gale says when he talks about worry. He says, worry is the desire for divine control, to possess something that belongs only to God and thus prohibits the willingness to trust, to walk by faith, and to be dependent. So when we're anxious or when we're worried, God is no longer on the throne. What we've done really is we've put all the weight on ourselves to accomplish and fulfill things only God can do, and it's idolatry. It's, 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 it's uh, self-sufficiency. It's looking to ourselves. It's not trusting in God. And what worry does is it projects into our life a world without God. Okay, When we magnify those things and they become so big in our eyes, we're projecting into our world a world without God. Look over at verse 33. This is why Jesus tells us in verse 33, here's the cure, is seek first the kingdom of God. Seek God's righteousness. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the Lord. Trust God. Be preoccupied with God. Let God be big in your eyes. And all these things become smaller in our sight. Let me give you two examples of how we can respond like, like this right now. Okay, Number one, obviously, would be the coronavirus, which is all over the news and it's serious, you know, it's an issue, it's spreading, it's a pandemic now, they've declared. Uh, a lot of people are really afraid, and there's a sense of mass hysteria, which there is a sense where we want to be diligent, we want to be cautious, we want to be loving to others and considerate of others, we want to be wise, but we don't want to be fearful and afraid. And what's concerning to me is reading some of these news stories is the response when people get afraid and they're anxious is people are not thinking of others anymore. So I read an article about people stealing from hospital supplies they need to care for people. And I thought that is just fearful and unloving. But it's a, it's a response motivated by fear where there's a sense of I have to protect myself. I have to preserve myself because I'm afraid right now. And so I'm going to run and I'm going to get as much as I can for myself. And man, I'm going to have toilet paper for two years, you know, which I don't understand all that. But it's just like this sense of fear is breaking out in people. And so you have to think like, okay, this, how do we think about this as Christians? What would Jesus say about this? I think he would say, seek first the kingdom of God. Shouldn't we as Christians be loving and thoughtful? Shouldn't we display a trust in God and obedience to God? Shouldn't we love others and help them and try to protect them and try to share with them and give to them and, and share what we have with others who are in need? These are things Jesus, I think, would be addressing in our heart. Instead of a fearful response, it's a response motivated out of love for others and out of trust and obedience to God. We don't want to uh, idolize this and make it everything we think about where God is no longer in the picture. I think people are doing that. I'm so fearful that this has become so big in their eyes and God has become very small. We want to keep God first. Second area that I think teens especially, and even adults can struggle with, but in the teen years you have to fight through, is just fear of man, which is really idolatry is all it is. Fear of man is being 
preoccupied with yourself. And it's being preoccupied what others think about you, if others will approve of you. It's a self-focus instead of fearing God and being preoccupied with loving God and loving others. It's really idolizing yourself. So when you fear man and you are afraid of others or want to please them or anxious about them, really what's happened is the binoculars have grown on yourself and God has become much smaller. And what we want to do is we want to put God first. And when we put God first, God says, listen, you're to love God and to love others. So instead of thinking about yourself, you're thinking, how can I love people? How can I serve them? How can I be more concerned about them than I am myself? This is the response that happens when we address the idolatry of anxiety and fear and the fear of man. So the first root Jesus gives us is when we're worried, when we're anxious, when we're fearful, God isn't first in our hearts anymore. Root number two, I think Jesus talks to us about in this text is in our hearts, we believe that God isn't good. So God isn't first is the first root of anxiety And root number two is God isn't good, which goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve doubted God's goodness, right? And thought God was withholding something good from them so they would have to take matters into their own hands. And that did not end well for them or for us. But we do the same thing. We doubt God's goodness in our lives. We we doubt God is for us. We doubt God's going to provide for us. Satan's lies have really not changed that much the last couple thousand of years. His tactics are the same. The same lie he told Eve in the garden that God is withholding something good from you is the same lie that Satan tempts us with. There's something good God is withholding. And so you're going to have to take it into your own hands and you're going to have to make it happen yourself. And then we worry about it and we grow anxious about it because we believe God isn't good. Look at verse 26. This is where Jesus goes in our text. He's, he tells them, listen, don't be anxious about your life. Look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They're not storing up food anywhere. And yet your heavenly Father knows and He feeds them. Look at verse 28. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. God takes care of them. It's not like they're doing anything. They're not striving. God is the one who clothes them and makes them beautiful. You know, they're everywhere around Israel. Maybe for us today, Jesus would say, consider the Bradford pears, how they multiply and grow and bloom. And they're everywhere. And we should take matters into our own hands and cut them all down. You know, I think we should start a movement to do that. But he's saying just look around at creation. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers of the field. And I love what he says in verse 26 when Jesus says, Are you not of more value than they are? If God is so sovereign and so loving and so kind and so good that he cares for the birds... How much more does he care for you? Isn't God good to us? He, he, he is so good. You know, his point is, if God is so involved in his creation, and, and, and God has shown you how treasured you are, how valuable you are to him, then we shouldn't worry or be anxious or fearful because we should trust the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Father. God is good. He's a good provider. He is a sustainer. 
He is a father, Jesus says to us. He knows what we need. He knows what we need to live. He's not going to let us go without those things. He will provide for us. And so when we start going down this anxious path, what we're doing is we're projecting into the future a world where God is no longer good and doesn't take care of us. And I don't know if you can do this, but I can do this. I can project like dominoes what's going to happen in my life. You may do that too. You may think, you know, I've got to do really good on this test tomorrow because if I don't do good on this test, then I'm not going to get an A in this class. And if I don't get an A in this class, then I'm not going to get a high enough GPA to get into the college I want to get into. And if I don't get into the college I want to get into, then I'm not going to get the career I want to get. Then I'm never going to get married. Then I'm never going to have a job. I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to be on the streets. I'm going to starve to death. My family's going to disown me, you know. Like we can just go down the domino path of, you know, this whole scenario of what's going to happen in our life. And when we do that, What's missing from all of that is something pretty big. It's God. All of a sudden, we've projected a future where God is no longer good to us. So one of the things uh, Elizabeth reminded me that I do when if she's afraid or I'm afraid or we just project like, okay, let's say that happens. Let's say you totally flunk that test you are anxious about tomorrow. Okay, you just blow it. Like you get like an 18, you know, it's the worst grade in the class, like, what then? Well, then I get a lower GPA. Okay, maybe. Then what? Well, then, you know, and you just start going down the path. And in the end, you go, you know what? Even if I get the coronavirus, even if I die, God is still good. You know, what do I have to fear since I know God and I have the gospel? There's nothing to fear. We have to battle fear and anxiety and worry by taking the binoculars off our issues we're worried about and looking how good God is. That's where Jesus says, look around. God is good. He's been good to you. He's been faithful to you. He's been kind to you. That's what we need to think about and we, our hearts need to trust in the goodness of God. So here's what's, doing, here's what's going on when we worry. Robert Jones says this, to worry is to deny in practical ways God's power wisdom and love for you in your present situation to worry is to forget the full implications of your identity as one of God's chosen adopted and deeply loved children to believe God's goodness is to be freed from worry the antidote to our worry is to trust in God to seek first the kingdom of God to remember the gospel of Christ and you know where I'm going with all this. Hopefully that quote made you think about this because I love where Robert Jones goes because he goes to the three trees, right? We've been doing this every time, so we're going to finish with doing this one more time. So Robert Jones, and that quote, to worry is to forget the implications of your identity as one of God's chosen, adopted, and deeply loved children so we are, are the root issue which we've already talked about tonight well let's let's start up here so whatever the situation is remember the heat is the circumstance the situation you're dealing with whatever you're anxious about whatever you've been worried about this week whatever is troubling you you know whatever gets you and is making you anxious and keeping you up at night so I don't know what that is but I'm just going to put this is whatever you've thought about tonight whatever you worry about. And the result in our life, the fruit in our life, I wrote a bunch of these down. These are things that 
you know, I think I've experienced, you've probably experienced, I don't know if you can read this or not, but like we get uh, nervous would be a, a fruit of being worried or anxious. You may at some times, I'm going to put this in quotes because it's not a biblical word, you may freak out, you know, we can call it stress, uh, I'm stressed out, I have so many things to do, I'm so stressed, you might even have physical symptoms, like you may bite your nails, do we have any nail biters in here? I'm a nail biter, yes. You may sweat a lot, so one of the times this summer we went to Dollywood, I rode the drop line, which I love, but I, it terrifies me at the same time. I think I love being afraid. We got off the ride, and I was wearing these sandals, and my feet were soaking wet. I was sweating so much from my feet. I mean, it was like I could wring out my flip-flop and just, okay, that's gross, but you get the point. You may sweat when you get nervous. Like, I think this is a big fruit that we have in our lives is we are preoccupied with something. So it just consumes our thoughts. We're not thinking about God. We're not seeking first his kingdom, you know. It's whatever you just can't stop talking about. So it could be the coronavirus. You know, I'm anxious. I can't stop talking about it. I can't stop reading news articles about it. I'm reading more about this than I am going to God and his word. This could be fruit of another one, I think. This may be an odd one, but I think sometimes when we get anxious or we're worried, uh, I think the fruit in our lives can be sometimes we get angry at others. So we're worried about something and someone calls us out on or isn't worried about it and so we get angry. Just sometimes that's how some of us respond is we get angry about it. So Jesus says the root behind what's going on is idolatry, right? And it is unbelief. So there's something about God we're not believing that's true. Or there's something we've made bigger in our eyes and God has become smaller. That's what Jesus says. So the three, three trees says, where do we go, right? We repent of our heart. So if it's unbelief, if you're something about God, I'm not believing God's goodness. I'm not believing God's sovereignty. I'm not believing God's care. You know, something about God that I'm not believing. And Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. You know, I, it's, it's my heart. It's my sinful heart. There's nothing about God that makes me not believe him. He's sovereign. He's good. I mean, he's displayed it for us. And then we put, we repent of that heart. If it's idolatry, ask God to forgive you for making things bigger than they are in your life. And then we put our faith in the cross of Jesus Christ, which tells us how valuable we are. It just reminds us God is good to us. I mean, God sent his own son to die for our sins, to live, to be born of a virgin. He was persecuted, he was whipped and beaten, he wore a crown of thorns, he suffered for us. Why would I doubt God's love once he did that? And if God sent his son to die for my sins, surely he can take care of whatever I'm worried about right now, whether it's finances or my future or school or friendships, you know. Surely God is good and maybe I'm not experiencing good friendships right now and it makes me, makes me anxious, but I go to the cross and it reminds me, God is loving and good, and if he did this for me, surely he's going to take care of this other situation. And when we repent and we put our faith in the cross of Christ, the Holy Spirit fills us once again, and he changes our heart. And now, instead of idolatry, God is the main thing. We're seeking first the kingdom of God, we're worshiping God, and 
We're trusting God, okay? And the fruit is when our heart is transformed, we're trusting God, we're seeking God, we're believing the promises of God. All of a sudden, what happens in our life is, you know, instead of being nervous, we've had this every single time, we have peace. Because it's just a promise God gives to us to fill us with peace. Uh, You know, instead of being preoccupied, we're seeking God first. So we're still reading God's word. We're praying to God. We're not just spending all of our time doing these things and throwing off these means of grace that God has given us. One of the things Philippians 4, 6 tells us is prayer. So instead of, you know, maybe freaking out or being stressed out, we respond by praying to God and asking for God to help us with this thing and saying, God, I know you love me and care for me. I know you're for me and not against me and I need help. I haven't prepared well for this test, and I need help tomorrow. Help me, Lord. (laughs) I've prayed that prayer many times as I walked into a test. Lord, help, and he does. He helps us. Doesn't mean don't be diligent, but he does help us when we need help. So faith is a result. Um, And then maybe, you know, just submitting to God's will, I think, is a result. Because what we realize is if we read the Bible, bad things do happen. You read the, read, the, read the book of Job, and you'll learn. It's not because you've sinned or done something bad, but uh, often our faith is tested to see if we're really worshiping God for being God or if we're worshiping God for all the things he gives us. So sometimes God allows Satan to take things away from us to see if we're really worshiping God for who he is. So this is so transformative. I love the three trees because if you can apply this to your life, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're anxious about, and you can remember the cross of Jesus Christ. He died for your sins. You are forgiven of that unbelief. You're forgiven of idolatry. You're cleansed. He removes our sins from us. Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, you are forgiven. And then streams of water flow out of your heart and you're worshiping God and you're trusting God. And all of a sudden, that thing that you've been worried about and anxious about, those binoculars zoomed in and it's so big in your eyes, all of a sudden when you go through this process in your heart and you remember the cross of Christ, all of a sudden it's like, you know, in the grand scheme of what God is doing in redemptive history, this is not a major thing. It's hard and something I have to work through, but you know, it's not something God cannot overcome. It's not something God cannot help me with and fulfill for me and provide for me. And so what we're going to do now is a little time of Q&A. And we're going to take, I'll leave this up here so you can see it, but hopefully you're learning it by now. And just so you know, I know I do this every single time, but I'm going to keep doing this because I want you to have this where it's just a reflex, where, okay, I'm anxious or I'm fearful or I'm envying, I'm struggling with envy, what we talked about last month. Okay, Got my three trees. I can draw it out real quick. I can, I can get to my heart. I can remember the cross of Jesus Christ. I can preach the gospel to myself, be filled with faith. I want you to have that as a reflex. So here's the discussion questions in your families. Uh, if your family's not here tonight, you can jump in with us, or we have members of our A-team back there. Uh, Bria and Trey, you can, Josh is back there. Matthew and Sam are all back there. So you can jump in with one of them, and they'll walk through these questions with you. So what one or two concerns in your life most often become areas of worry or anxiety. So just what are those areas in your life? Number two, worrying is always a symptom of remaining idolatry and unbelief. What are the specific idols and lies 
that are ruling you. So it may be just selfishness, might be control, maybe something you're doubting about the character of God that you need to put on. And number three, what specific truths about God and promises from God do you need to embrace? Where can you go in God's Word to remember who God is and what He's done for you? And then on the bottom there, you can write those down, but all those scriptures, I didn't have time to get to, but I looked at them this week and I thought, these are great scriptures if you're a person who worries or battles anxiety and fear. So you can write those down and that's, you know, that's a week of devotions right there where you can just every day take one of those, pray through it, read through it, and apply the three trees to your life. So we're going to do about 10 minutes of discussion time and then Josh will come back up after that and lead us in another song.